Thanks for joining us today on Mormon Land, where we explore news in and about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm managing editor Dave Noyce. I oversee the Solid Tribune's faith coverage. I'm joined by senior religion reporter Peggy Fletcher-Stack. Hello, Peggy. Hi, Dave. We remind our listeners about another way to support Mormon Land. Just go to patreon.com, where with a small donation, you can access transcripts to our podcast, our complete newsletter, and all of our exclusive religion coverage. Again, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Mormon Land. Now for today's show. President Russell Nelson, worldwide leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has urged women to be seen and be heard, to speak up and speak out in their communities, in their homes, and in their congregations. That may be happening at the grassroots level, but it isn't occurring in the patriarchal faith's highest profile forum, General Conference. In the most recent gathering, only two of the 33 speakers were women. Even in past conferences, that number rarely reached a handful. Researcher Eliza Wells, a doctoral student in philosophy at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, studied this phenomenon in conferences over a 50-year period for Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought, and discovered an even deeper chasm. Men were at least 16 times more likely to be quoted over the pulpit than women, a gap that holds true even when women were speaking. It's an inequity that many women and men in the church notice and hope to change. Wells joins us today via Zoom from Boston to discuss her findings, the implications, the message sent, how to change that pattern, and why it matters. Eliza, welcome. Thank you so much. Let's start with what prompted you to start this research? Yeah, I was interested in how men talk about women, because a lot of our experience as women in the church is listening to men talk about women. And so as I was reading general conference talks about um, gender roles, women's roles in the church, I noticed that men were, these male leaders were overwhelmingly quoting each other um, and quoting men to talk about how women should live their lives. And that got me interested in quotation and got me interested in how women's voices were treated at the pulpit in general. Hmm. So, um, what uh, what do you think are the most important of your findings? Yeah, I did a quantitative and a qualitative analysis of quotation in general conference. And so not only did I learn that the sheer numbers for women's participation, women's quotation in conference are shockingly low. Um, women are quoted 2.1% of the time across the 50-year sample that I studied. And in the last 10 years, that's only up to 2.7%. That's, I think, a lot lower than anyone would have really expected. Um, but I was also able to look at the ways in which leaders introduced those quotations, the ways in which they were talking about women's voices. And I was able to see that when leaders do quote women, they rarely use their names. They very frequently describe them as beautiful and sweet and precious and young and these other kinds of descriptors that further minimize women's authority. And so I think that those kinds of um, ways in which women aren't being heard and then when they are being talked about, it's in these non-authoritative ways was really interesting coming from both men and women. When did women first start speaking at General Conference? 
Women have spoken sporadically in general conference since its inception. Lucy Mack Smith spoke in general conference back in the day, but women didn't start speaking regularly until 1988 in the general sessions of general conference. So uh, just to give you a sense of the numbers, Thomas S. Monson in his lifetime gave more talks in general conference than all women ever total. And um, you were telling us that women themselves quoted men even more than men quoted men, right? Yeah, that was one of the things that surprised me the most about the numbers that I ended up discovering that women quote male leaders in particular, but men in general, more than any other group of leaders. So more than apostles, more than prophets, but also more than members of the 70 and the presiding bishopric. And so if we're seeing quotation as this appeal to authority, we're seeing women leaders in the church feeling the need to appeal to male authority in order to be taken seriously. And I think that's really troubling. And uh, you found that even uh, the non-authoritative men are quoted. Um, I don't know. Did you find C.S. Lewis quoted? (laughs) You know, C.S. Lewis was not quoted as often as I expected. I was ready for C.S. Lewis all the time, um, but he only came up sporadically. But yes, so you might say, oh, women are quoted so infrequently because there are so many more men in scripture, because there are so many men in church leadership. But then when you look at just quoting regular members and secular sources, women are still quoted only 20% to men's 80% of the time in those supposedly neutral from a church authority perspective kinds of sources. So if there were, uh, there there might be other improvements for gender equity at the local level. Church historians are definitely paying more attention to women's roles in history. Why do you think it is important to quote women in general conference? Yeah. I think that general conference really matters to us as a worldwide church. It forms the basis for the lessons at the local level over the next six months. It's republished in the magazines. Um, We're encouraged to listen to general conference with this particular kind of listen to the voice of the Lord speaking to you kind of attitude. Um, and so what we say in general conference really matters. And then the question about quotation is whether we're sending a signal about who counts as an authority. So I think that hearing women is really, really important, but I think listening to women is what we need to do. And so what we're seeing in quotation practices is that women's voices aren't being picked up on. They aren't being read. They aren't being engaged with. They aren't being treated as the kinds of things where you can say, wow, this gives me guidance in my life. And so quoting women in a general conference sends this really important signal about who we're taking seriously. And that filters out through the rest of the global church. And and even the few times that women, comparatively few, obviously, greatly fewer women are quoted, it's rarely a current leader. It's usually a historical figure, right? Um, yes. Like uh, like Eliza uh, R. Snow, for instance. Um, correct? Yes. So in the sample of talks that I read, there was only one time when a male leader quoted a current female leader um, to the population of the church. And by contrast, um, female leaders are quoting current male leaders 
two out of three times that they're quoting leaders of the church. It's this um, very clear sense of whose voices matter. Mm-hmm. And and this past conference and recent conferences, quite often that person being quoted is not surprisingly, perhaps the president of the church, Russell Nelson, of course. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. those are really interesting patterns to look at the quotation of prophets over time as well. Yeah. Well, this is the big question, of course, uh, in some, what would you suggest leaders do to correct this imbalance? Yeah, I think that the question for me when we think about these issues is what are we holding fixed? Are we holding fixed teachings about gender? Are we holding fixed the leadership structure and then trying to work within those? And if we, and I personally don't want to hold either of those fixed, I think that we need to make um, interventions on both of those levels. But if we are kind of asking what can leaders do here and now without changing the leadership structure of the church and the ways that we talk about women, um, sending that signal that women's voices matter through featuring them more, through really taking a hard look at where women can and should participate in church leadership given the current rules, um, and by making more spaces not just to have women's voices, but to emphasize that those are important voices for everyone to hear. Um, I think there are a lot of ways to do that. And I'm excited about all of the ways in which the church history department and feminists throughout the community are trying to make that happen. And uh, um, having the priesthood doesn't make you automatically wise. There's plenty of no. wise women <laughs> who don't have the priesthood, so they don't have offices, but they do have wisdom. Um, some have suggested that conference speakers be chosen from outside the general leadership as well. What do you think of this idea? Are there any women outside of the official structure that you would encourage the church to tap? Yeah, I think it's an interesting suggestion. And I think that it would require really thinking about what the purpose of general conference is. I know a lot of members still kind of see all of the talks that aren't from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and the First Presidency as filler um, between those really important talks. And so just bringing women from outside the leadership structure into that space, I think won't do enough. We'd have to be saying something more about why we're having general conference and why it is that you should listen to all of the voices that talk during that time. Um, but I, um, yeah, that's, that's the end of my thought there. I don't know. How about Gladys Knight? <laughs> sure. <laughs> people um, might listen to her. Uh, talk people, and sing, people right? Might yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Eliza, young women and girls growing up now are are thankfully finding fewer gender barriers in school and the workplace, though they certainly still exist. But tremendous gaps remain in equity at church. Uh, If this balance isn't corrected, does the church risk losing rising generations of girls and young women? Absolutely. I am in my 20s, and it is hard to overstate the jarring difference between what it looks like for me to participate in the church and what it looks like for me to participate in the rest of the spaces in which I spend my time. I feel less heard. I feel less valued. I feel as though the contributions that people think I can make to the community are determined by the body that I was born into. 
And those are radically at odds with the ways in which we're talking about women's place in the world in many, in many other spaces right now. And so I think that that's something that is increasingly difficult to, to grapple with. And the church does risk um, losing people who feel unheard and unvalued if they continue saying that we're important, but then not acting on it. Yeah. I mean, we've heard that, but have you heard that from other young women and, and, and girls? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a big, something that really troubles a lot of women that I know. Uh huh. Well, why do you think it's important also for more women to speak and be quoted at conference for the boys and men who will, who are watching as well? Yeah. Well, as it currently stands in the church, men have almost all the power to determine whose opinions get to be taken into account, what decisions are ultimately made. And there's a lot of research. Um, there was this great BYU studies article a couple of years ago that talked about women not um, speaking in spaces where they were outnumbered um, and their voices being more likely to be interrupted by, by their male peers. And so again, sending that signal that no, women's voices and women's opinions really matter, I think is central. And also helping men to see that they are not the the default population in the church for which women are a mere appendage, um, but that we are in fact a community that can and must work together with each individual's contributions um, valued and heard and respected. All of that is really central and something that General Conference can play a role in making happen. So in other words, it wouldn't do to just bring back the women's session of women speaking to women because men and boys didn't listen to those talks or. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't quote them. Um, I think having women speak in priesthood session would have been a really cool thing to do if we still had priesthood session. I think the women's session, the loss of that space where more women got to speak is sad in some ways, the ways in which that was structured to be all of the women as a prelude to what really matters, the first presidency was a little bit disheartening um, in, in thinking about which voices matter. But I, I saw in my research that women were quoted the least in the priesthood session. So there is this sense that when it's just men speaking to men, women's voices matter even less than in the, in the general session. And that's something that absolutely needs to be addressed. Yeah, even in the women's sessions, as you know, the the men's voices still dominated. Uh, oh, uh, uh, you know, they they spoke more. Obviously, were quoted more, right? In the last twenty years, in the priesthood session, women were quoted one percent of the time. In the general session, women were quoted two point six percent of the time, and in the women's session, women were quoted three point seven percent of the time. So there is this sense that gender matters, that they're they are attentive to who the audience is. Um, by contrast, in the priesthood session, men were quoted 40% of the time. That's 40 times more than women were quoted in the priesthood session. Um, in the general session, men were quoted about 37% of the time. And in the women's session, men were quoted still about 37% of the time. So it really is a striking, striking lack of balance. So do you think a, a focus, a more focus on Heavenly Mother could help correct this imbalance? I am both really excited and really wary of 
the current conversations about Heavenly Mother. I'm excited about them because I think this is one of the really distinctive and beautiful parts of our theology that really make it possible for women to see themselves as gods. And I'm wary because some of that conversation tends to only support a certain model of womanhood and saying Heavenly Mother is caring and nurturing and passive in various kinds of ways that don't encourage women's authority and women's equally valued contributions. And so I would be excited about a focus on Heavenly Mother that really opened up space for women to see themselves as individuals who can participate fully in the church community instead of as further kind of confined to a certain model of what a good life looks like. So what have you heard? What has been the reaction to your article? Well, I've tried not to look at the Instagram comments, but (laughs) I, I'm thrilled that people are engaging with this work. And I've been really moved by people who have come to me and said, I'm going to quote more women in my talks. I'm going to teach more talks by women in my lessons. And I think if that can happen on the local level, even a little bit more, we will make life better for women in the church in our weekly experience at church. And so to be able to draw people's attention to that is something that's really, really exciting and meaningful to me. Um, A lot of people have said something like, well, women don't speak that much, so it makes sense that they aren't quoted that much. And to that, I want to say, first, women speak actually more than they're quoted. So in the between 2016 and 2020, women made up about 12% of talks, but still about 2% of quotations. And the second thing is that these are explanations, but not excuses. One of the things that I tried to do in this paper was to show how leaders of the church are saying these things about how women's voices matters, and then not doing them. And if we can recognize that dissonance, um, that we really do hold ourselves to a higher standard, then I think that should push us to do better, even if we have fewer comparative talks from women to draw from. Have you had any inquiries from church headquarters? I did send an early copy of the paper to someone in church headquarters a couple of years ago, and then I never heard back. I will tell you, listening to General Conference, it doesn't sound as though it really made the rounds, but <laughs> I, would, I would love it if it got picked up. What about BYU or other researchers? Um, I haven't heard very much, but I would absolutely love to talk to anyone who's interested. I collected a lot of data. And so if there are people who think that there are projects they would like to do on quotation, I also collected data on narrative and general conference. Uh, Let me know. Hmm. Were you just one last question? Were you surprised that only two women spoke at general conference this last time? That seemed like a, a, a... That's an inordinately low number. Uh, They're always low, but that's inordinately low from recent conferences. Yeah, I think that I have sufficiently tempered my expectations that (laughs) I am no longer surprised, but I was disappointed. I think Hmm. that it's clear that we have flexibility in the speaker schedule to do better, and it's disappointing that that wasn't taken advantage of. Do you think? like there are only nine uh, members of women's presidencies. Do you think all nine of them should speak every conference? 
I think that if that's what we're holding fixed, then that would be a really exciting thing um, to have these women leaders who have this institutional position in the church um, to have them speak just like the 12 apostles in the first presidency speak every conference. But I would still maintain my, um, my thought that other things need to change as well. Mm-hmm. To, to open it up to more just, you know, outside of the power structure, correct? Yeah. And to think about change the power this structure. is the power yeah. structure that right. we would like to have. Right. Well, the title of the dialogue article is Quoted at the Pulpit, Male Rhetoric and Female Authority in 50 Years of General Conference. Eliza Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Be well, okay? And thanks to Peggy Fletcher Stack. Always a pleasure. And to our producer, Nicole Weaver. We remind you that you can keep up on all the happenings in and about the church by subscribing to the Salt Lake Tribune's free Mormon Land newsletter. Just go to sltrib.com to sign up and we'll talk again next time on Mormon Land. Mm-hmm.